0: Welcome welcome to welcome. the only, the only podcast, podcast that draws you in like a straw in a milkshake. It's Pastor Live, the lighthearted podcast adventure that's all about God. The Word, answers to your questions, and, well... Sometimes it's more questions to your questions. Hang Hang on tight. tight. You're listening to Pastors Live with Pastor Ty, Pastor Dave, Pastor Shane, and the other guy.
1: Hey, everybody. It's Pastors Live. My name's Ty. I'm back. It's nice to be back. I've missed you guys, by the way. Uh, I had somebody talking to me uh, this last Sunday about Pastors Live. Man, we love Pastors Live. And then you took it off the air. We're like, no, we're still on the air our radio station's broken. Uh, so <laughs> 887 if you guys don't know, let people know who listen in that on that 887, we're still on the air. Let them know they can listen at the rev.fm, but we've had a little uh, we've had a little boo-boo with one of our stations and we're still trying to get it fixed. One of the problems was this the winter has been so bad that when Gary went up to try and fix it that it would have been like putting life or limb uh, to try and fix a radio station and nobody's life is worth being on the air, so uh, yeah. we got a cat. We got parts coming, so hopefully that'll get fixed here shortly. And uh, we got a we got
2: Pastor Dave. Hey, everybody! God today. bless
1: you. Um, and we've got Pastor James here today. Hello, uh, Shane is out, uh, feeling a little bit under the weather. Um, and so, uh, we're sorry you don't feel good, uh, but we're praying for you. And so, uh, we are you know, we're just thinking about some greasy eggs and stuff for you right now. Uh, so, but, hey, we have a, we've got a lot of great things going on. First of all, if you have a comment and or question, send it to pastors live at the That's pastors Live at the rev.fm and uh, we do have another uh, set of guests in the studio today who look terribly frightened today but we have uh mr and mrs potato head and their little spud here and they're uh She's giving me the eyes today. She's not. She's like she's not blinking or nothing. Uh, but today uh, is we got some things coming up. Okay, today is March 30th, and so we have Good Friday service coming up on April 7th at 6 p.m. That's kind of our one six o'clock service a year, um, and at 6 p.m. and it's going to be a time of communion and reflection. And then we have the All Things New uh, Easter services. That's Saturday, April 8th and 9th uh, during our normal uh, worship times. We encourage you to come early for that. And then after that, we've got Baptism Weekend. uh, That'll come on the 15th and 16th. uh, And then we also, uh, on April 29th, guys, it's coming really fast. We've got the Resolve Man Conference. Better husbands, better fathers, better men. You guys excited for that?
2: Absolutely. What is it again? Of course I'm excited about it. Hey, um... Palm Sunday is this Sunday. Palm Sunday
1: is this Sunday. That wasn't on the list. Yeah, Palm Sunday is actually this Sunday. So, yep. yeah, just a few days from now is Palm Sunday. That's crazy. We're actually going to be- starting Passion Week. Yeah, we're, we are starting Passion Week. I learned something very interesting, Our, Dave, and you might know this, since you're usually the guy with the salted peanut, Uh-oh. right? Uh-oh. Are you familiar with the celebration of Lazarus Saturday?
2: Are yeah, you familiar uh, with that. I'm fam- I uh, heard of it. I'm uh, really so, familiar with it now. So no, but, so I yeah. so aware we were, of it. How uh, about that?
1: Yeah. So I I'm a am I, I was not even aware of it until yeah. I was doing some writing this last week and it came across I was writing on Palm Sunday and I was looking at just obviously Eastern Church and Western Church, by the way, uh, celebrate things a little bit differently. Right. Um and of course, you can't cram everything into this small space. I think there's a little bit more space there. But Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead prior to the triumphal entry, um, and that stirred things up. He did that two miles from Jerusalem. People came and checked it out. Lazarus was a living testimony, literally a a living testimony of the power of Jesus. And
2: it kind of bookends. And he becomes a target. And he becomes the target. Because right before Palm Sunday, Right, and the religious leaders are like, we got to kill him too. Yeah, let's assassinate them both. Yeah, and so
1: that's I, so, and that's so. In um, in some more uh, Eastern Orthodox or more uh, maybe High Church traditions, they they kind of come in, and for some of them, depending on where you are, that's the end of Lent, the beginning of Holy Week. Now, Western Church, uh, Lent goes all the way through Resurrection Sunday, but they kind of have these two feasts, these two celebrations. It's the it's Lazarus Saturday, and then it's Palm Sunday, because this is like, look, he's the resurrection and the life and he declares it. And shows it. It's like, there's like, well, he forgives sin. He blasphemes because only God can forgive sin. And he says, well, just so you know, the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, rise, take up your bed, and walk, right? It's the same kind of example. And so it's just that celebration. And since we have a Saturday night service, I thought, well, I did a little blog. I thought I'd share that. But there's something for you. And I know that we have people listening from different church traditions uh, and different backgrounds and how we go about celebrating. Uh, Easter. I know that some churches, and I forgot about the procession, Dave. You remember that? The, like if you're like high church, like an Episcopal church, you have the Palm Sunday, right? a procession where yeah. they come in and well, we did that in the like,
2: congregational church where I pastored in Nebraska for four or three and a half years. Right. Yeah. You do yeah, the it procession. A, it was a big deal, man. Right. They, did you, they would come in with the palm branches and everybody would wave the palm branches. And then they, we also had the flowering of the cross. Are you familiar with that I, one? I
1: am familiar yeah, with so there would be a big cross.
2: cross at the front of the uh, sanctuary. And, um, Families would come in as they enter the sanctuary. They go to the cross and put flowers on the cross, and then when the service begins, you have this beautiful flower deal, like a spray, but it's in the shape of the cross because the cross is now covered with flowers.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, and they're, you know different traditions. But remember something about different traditions. And I know some people can get really tied up in traditions. We never want to worship a tradition. Uh, but traditions, they're all pointing us in a direction, right? There's a reason for all of them, and they're pointing us to Jesus. It's just sometimes we forget why we do something that we do, right? And I know around here, like, I always lose my mind. when I, Well, that's the way we've always done it. But I always want to ask, why do we do it that way, and do we continue to do it that way? So I just thought that was kind of fun. So there you go, everybody. A little bit of information for you uh, for uh, this coming Saturday Um, you know, depending on where you're at in the world, it might, for you, it might be uh, Lazarus Saturday uh, moving into Palm Sunday. But we do have our, the kids are involved and we've got our little palm branches. We're we're excited for this weekend. So come out and join us. We're actually gonna be talking about Jesus in the Bible this week. That's gonna be our uh, focus because we're gonna actually be in, uh, we're gonna be looking at the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. And we're gonna be talking about how we find Jesus And throughout the Bible. And the Bible is the fulfillment of Jesus and everything that he's done. So really excited for that. So come out and join us this weekend. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time. But today is an interesting day. Um, Did you guys see that, that today is a national I'm in control day?
2: (laughs) Frank Sinatra's birthday? Oh, right. Yeah.
1: Frank Sinatra's birthday. I did it my way. No, actually, (laughs) I, I thought it was interesting. I can't um, I was looking at it earlier, but I thought it was really interesting. I the idea that I'm in control is, is first of all, we just want to clarify um, you know this is from a historical event, but the the idea of being control it really breaks down when you study the Bible. Do you understand that we're we're really not in control and today in Luke uh, chapter 11, we're in the Lord's Prayer. and I think that kind of establishes who's in charge, right? <laughs> you know God's in control. I want to, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to give him praise and honor and glory. But have you guys ever been in a situation where you felt like you're in control and then you were totally out of control?
3: Yeah. Always before the event. Oh, right. At at the conclusion of it, I realize I never am. Right, yeah. It's like, I got this. So from a non-theological standpoint, anybody out there who's listening who doesn't have a relationship with God or maybe even denies the existence of God, you have to look at that truth. How many times have you bought into the illusion that you are in control? How many plans have you made for your life? And they have worked out to the T exactly as you envisioned it or planned it. I've never met a person who has laid out a plan and a pathway for their life and actually made every single step and walked through every single door that they have predetermined. It has not worked out that way. Right. And that's a great truth to say you're frail, you're human, you literally are not in control. You are in control of some things. Right. And that is how you respond to situations. That is your attitude. You are in control of your attitude. You get to control that. You also get to control, when I said you respond to things, the beautiful gift of the gospel. God allows you the control to say, yes, I would like to receive that, or no, I would like to reject you. But God's plan, God's plan will work out. He already had victory on the cross. His plan to redeem a broken humanity, that war was won 2,000 years ago when Jesus laid down his life for us.
1: Well, if you think about it like this too, I mean, and that's such so important that God's plan is the one plan that wins. you know, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, that you may have a future and a hope. Um, uh, Romans 828 for God works all things together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I, I think the idea that God is working something outside of our understanding. Um, for the people in this room, I don't think any of us planned on being where we are right now. I don't think this is where so so for me, um, being a, being a pastor was never on my radar. Uh, it really wasn't. Dave was being a pastor. I mean, cause I knew you grew up in church a little bit differently. I didn't, I grew up in the world. So my, my view of my future was not even connected to the church, but what was it for you when you were, growing no, I,
2: I was 12 years old when I committed my life to full-time ministering and knew that that's where I was headed. When I was 12 years old, I knew what college I was going to attend and, um, my intention was to be. In ministry, Um, the reason I was a music major my first year of Bible college is because I wanted to be a youth pastor. And in my mind, what better way to um, influence youth than through music? And until I got the placement test, and um, yeah, (laughs) first question on the placement test was write out an E flat scale. And I said, hey, I went up to the lady at the registrar and I said, I I think there's been a mistake made. And she goes, what's that? I said, I think this is a final. And she looked at it and smiled and said, bonehead music. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) True story. Hey, did you see why it's called I Am In Control Day? Did you read that whole deal? uh, Well, I'd seen part of it. I was going to come back to that. Alexander Haig, who was Secretary of State uh, on the day that President Reagan was shot by hinckley yes uh um, they took president reagan to george washington university hospital right and alexander haig is making his way to the situation room and when they're arguing about who's going to be calling the shots um remember uh vice president bush was out of the country and alexander haig said i am in control Yes. As the Secretary of State. And somebody reminded him, in fact, they they took a – there's a play on that in the movie Air Force One where someone says, you need to check your regs, but actually it's you need to check the Constitution. <laughs> yes. The Speaker of the House is third in line. Correct. And so Alexander Haig became famous for saying, I am in control. Great movie, by the way, right now, our documentary on that day on Hinkley and, um, of course, Brady and Reagan – on, I think it's on Netflix right now. It's oh. a very fascinating um, documentary on the day the president was shot. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But that's why it's, I am in control.
1: That's right. Because uh, it's kind of poking fun at that sometimes because oh. you're actually not. That's the whole <laughs> As point. As Pastor
2: James was just saying. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes so, you're really yeah. not in control. Yeah. Hey, here's something I'll throw for you guys. We got a few minutes here. Second um, Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing for any to perish. But Jesus said, Many will. Very few will find that narrow way. So does God always get his way? Ooh, and then bad. there was silence. So <laughs> I, I, I would answer it like this.
1: Well, I was going to go around the room and, and I was going to ask, so, you know, because I know James Pat, being a pastor wasn't on his radar. And I, I don't well, know if. No, you know, as, a, if, as yeah. a young
3: kid, like around seven or eight. Uh, I wanted to be a fireman, and then the next day I wanted to be a policeman, and then by day <laughs> right. four I wanted to be a dinosaur. But right. kind of I, kind of proving the point,
1: the idea we don't always get our way. So right. coming back to Dave's question, <laughs> so so here's here's the thing. I think part of this has to do with providence and decree. God has decreed in that concept, I desire. That's His decree. Mm-hmm. I desire all men to come to repentance. Right. The providence in which that happens has uh something attached to it which is humanity right and so so if you did now this is what happens if you're listening right now and you're an ultra calvinist you absolutely believe that god's gonna get his way because you believe god is so sovereign that if somebody doesn't get saved it's because god didn't save them and you're you're in that place of you're in a place what's known as uh double predestination the idea that god has redeemed some for salvation and and others for damnation now most people recoil at that idea but that's a legitimate theological view that's out there mm-hmm. and so god is sovereign you know everything that happens is in god's control that leads us to fatalism dave i mean that's what, what no, happens it's exactly right? right and so uh, i and then there's the idea and, and that would be like you could say that's a calvinistic view it's, it's a, Hype, it's a some hyper hyper
3: hyper-Calvinist, calvinistic yeah. view yeah.
1: Um, but just a question on even that. even most calvinists i meet are only four point calvinists but, but yeah
3: a question it's on true. that how how can god go against his own will that's the part i don't understand he's not going against his will because if he wills that none should perish Ah, he's decreed it.
2: Yeah, but it says, right? right. I hear what you're saying, Pastor yes. James. God is not willing that any should perish. Correct. So yeah. the, the wording is, is funny the wording, there.
1: The wording is funny in that. And so the idea is like he doesn't desire anyone repentance. Sorry. He doesn't. We have to edit that one. He doesn't desire that. <laughs> oh any, no, that, 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 that's no, flying! No, ben. You're that's not in <laughs> control, Pastor. Time. I'm not in control of my own tongue. Ben apparently. is yeah.
2: in control. Yeah, Ben is in control. Say it, Ben. I yes. am in control. <laughs> so, I am in control. Yes, is, uh, there it is. So From now I'm so, recalling you, Alexander Haig. Right. So, the, right. so <laughs> the idea is like,
1: but remember that there's there is. So you have the other side of this issue. Right. God is sovereign, but man is responsible for the choice that he makes. And so, when you talk about providence and decree, you have, you know, he's decreed something, Where where's that providence? Like, is he totally sovereign, so everything's in his control, so therefore, um, and I discovered this dealing with a bunch of young people. Every time I would give an example, and that I didn't realize this until I was dealing with, they were a bunch of uh, 19 to 20, like, five-year-olds. And we are having a conversation at the house. We are talking about this very issue of providence and decree. So, uh, And so God has decreed something. The providence is how that happens. I discovered every one of them lived on a sliding scale depending on the situation. So their theology was absolutely gooey. So they believe that God is absolutely in control 100% of the time. Everything is in God's hands. And then, and then I said, okay, so your child drowns. And they say, well, I mean, something, you know, so, they, 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 so they're trying they're, to figure they're out. Hedging they're quickly. hedging very quickly. They're sure. hedging very quickly because you have God's fully in control. Then you have it's our free will, free will providence, right? So that's free will. So we have a free will, and that's the issue. God doesn't desire. It's not his will. I believe, I think desire is a better word there. It's not his decree or his will. It's his desire that anyone would would would, would die or perish, but that all would come to repentance. However... Because he gives us the ability to choose, we, and that's the argument. By the way, that's the Calvinist, Arminianist argument that we've, the church history has been going over for years. I don't fall in either of those camps. I, I fall into what's known as active providence. I believe that um, I'm actively engaged with God in this world as Imago Dei. And because of that, he doesn't desire anyone to perish. I don't desire anyone to perish. I believe Spurgeon actually was probably more like that because. He believed that God was sovereign, but he preached the gospel to everyone because he says, I can't, I don't know who's predetermined or not because he held to the theology, but he said, I'm going to preach to everybody. Right. Um, and then there was a great book by R.A. Tori, <laughs> not R.A. Torrey. Uh, no, it is R.A. I think it's R.A. Torrey. Um, oh, now I got to figure it out. But it's um, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, J.I. Packer. Uh, Evangelism, like Packer. yeah, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, which he talks about the, the tension in those ideas, that God is fully sovereign, but man is fully responsible, and he talks about the antinomy of those two issues, that it's like, it's like you're looking at two roads that seem to never intersect, and then you cross the veil into eternity, and they come together in unity that we don't understand. And that's, so that's one of those ways to, to you know, have that conversation. This is
2: kind of an interesting biblical example. I think it, f- it flows with this. I hope it does because I preached it recently. Uh, in Acts 27, uh, Paul and Luke and uh, I think it's Aristarchus, right, from Thessalonica, who are uh, on this ship uh, heading toward Rome and they're about to shipwreck on Malta And um, they didn't pay attention to Paul, and things were going sideways. Paul stands up and says, hey, guys, you should have listened to me, but check it out. An angel of the God I serve stood beside me this night and made this declaration to me. Uh, We're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose everything. But no one's going to die if you abide on this ship. And then when they're about to really get you know, uh, broken apart the boat. Um, there's some sailors that are going to drop this dinghy or the skiff off the back end of the boat and escape. And Paul says, uh, it's a very clear statement. He says, uh, to the centurion, to Julius, except you abide, you cannot be saved. And it's an emo- the most amazing statement. And so they do. They drop the skiff and say, okay, we're going to stay on board. And everybody lives. But it's an interesting thing because God, t- the angel of the Lord told Paul, nobody is going to die. And then he turns right around and says, if you don't abide or unless you abide, you shall not be saved. And so there's that, here's God saying, no one's going to die however paul would say you have personal responsibility in this does that make sense yeah, yeah. so he already declared it wasn't going to happen but they had the option to say you know forget you god we or the man of god forget right. you paul we're going to do our thing and save our skin and paul says no 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 listen that promise is sure but you have the responsibility to abide well it
1: comes back it's it sounds
2: a lot like the argument of faith
1: versus works, right? I'm gonna abide. Yeah, the work was abiding. Yeah. That was the work was to abide, to stay there in the midst of the fear of what was happening. So I'm gonna abide in Christ. I'm not gonna try and save myself, which would be like that work. I'm yeah, gonna when, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna jump have faith out in the promise. I'm gonna have faith in the promise and not and faith, faith in my is seen own scene in the work. In my own work, right? That's right. And so I think that's a beautiful picture that we see in that moment. Uh, There are a lot of issues that come up when we talk about providence and decree um, and the issue of Calvinism or active providence uh, or like Calvinism, like, you know, it's like you kind of fall in the middle ground, which is probably where I've been at for most of my life. I just didn't know how to express it. Um, but there was a really interesting, uh, book written years ago. And I think it is one of the things that pastor Chuck actually did pen, which was Armenianism and Calvinism and the word of God, where he says, look, we get so worried about being right. We forget to be loving. And like, we were so worried about being in this place. And, and I know, I know even in the Calvary chapels, this, this, this hyper, well, no, we got to pick a side. You got to pick a side. And I think part of it is because you have so many really great theologians out there that fall on that what would be considered the more conservative Calvinist side where they're like, but we have all the facts. We have all the information. I said, yes, but you also have to understand there are other Bible <laughs> verses that don't fit in your view. So right. let's let's own up to the fact that we need to probably have more of an integrated biblical theology where we're gonna draw our conclusions with the fewest problems, um, and go, I'm gonna that's my position. So, but I'm okay with somebody who holds to a hard position in either of those areas because I do fall in the middle look as long as I'm abiding in Christ I'm eternally secure yeah. if I choose to get out of the boat so to speak I'm in deep water that's. Yeah. <laughs> it's really I think where it's at
2: well a guy asked me here recently well weren't those people predestined for salvation I said sure they were Romans 8 sure they were they also had personal responsibility to abide within that predestined state
1: well and it, yeah and again this comes back to reading with a grid now let me, let me That's and, I, right. and we're running out of time what? because we're actually out of time but what happens is <laughs> oh, we shoot. what happens is we if we read through a grid when it says uh, that you know be bef- he chose you before the foundations of the world right let's just use that small phrase depending on how I view my theology, my theology, theological lens. I'm going to read into that text, right? Uh, I will read into because he's sovereign; he chose me no matter what. Uh, because I've chosen him, he chose me because of his four understanding. Because he knew I would choose him. Because yeah, he knew right. I would choose him, which means I actually. So right. So you believe it or not, we read the Bible with the grid all the time, and we I'm, t- do. I'm always telling people, look take the grid off because sometimes the text just doesn't say what you think it says or what you want it to. or what you want it to say. so take a deep breath there. Uh, hey, listen, we're gonna be talking about the Bible tomorrow. We got a great question that came in about books of the Bible. We'll talk what? about that a little bit tomorrow. but again guys, come and join us this weekend for church. It's gonna be a wonderful time. Uh, getting into the Word of God worshiping the Lord uh, but, uh, but, but did you guys notice that uh, Steve HR came in there? Oh Steve, Steve snuck in the room. He didn't, I didn't say uh-oh. a word. Hello. Hey, oh yeah, there he is. Okay. Hey, listen, your love, your no, family, we're bad. out. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I feel guilt.
0: It's the one and only Pastors Live. A Rev FM production with Pastor Ty, Pastor Dave, Pastor Shane, and the other guy. Download and listen to more episodes from Spotify and Apple Podcasts and submit your questions and comments for next time to Pastors Live at the
2: His music, his word, the, the Rev. Rev.